0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Idea Ideaprov um, with your host, Mike Pedersen. I'm here with Haley. Uh, we connected online and kind of have always, uh, ever since then, have really had some really good conversations um, about a couple of different topics and she, she's kind of schooled me in, in her ways and kind of opened my eyes to a couple of different things um, in her career path. And and uh, So I thought it would be great opportunity to kind of get her voice out in the world and kind of share it with everybody. So Haley, what's life like? How, how's it been for you?
1: Hey Mike. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been hectic, but in really wonderful ways and a lot of growing, a lot of challenges, new challenges that I'm experiencing in work and life, but that are helping me grow as a person. So yeah, it's been, I think that's like the theme of 2020, I imagine, all these challenges.
0: Yeah, it's really super um, interesting because, you know, I've always tried to be a little bit uncomfortable just to kind of help accelerate the growth. And this year has really taken that to the next level. I think for a lot of people, like you've just had to been forced to get outside your zone, whether it's not going to work or um, working differently or the projects that you're working on has really been um, outside of many people's normal scope, for
1: Mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. I'm super pumped to be on IdeaProv and think about our challenge today and dive into that more. But where do we begin?
0: Oh, I, I don't know. Um, before we begin, what I want to do is I want to just give you um, a, couple of, a couple of moments for our co-creator segment to kind of see what you're passionate about, see what's kind of lighting you up inside see so you see the things over the past you know six, nine, 18 months that have really been kind of your main focus.
1: Yeah, sure. So my passion is really being able to connect people, connect dots, uh, connect concepts through visuals. I've always been a visual person doing lots of doodling in class, uh, of course, and I, I think I found my spark and a lot of harmony when I was able to take visuals and bring them into my work because I kind of treated it as these are the doodles on the side of the page and then this is where I take notes but being able to express my work visually and being able to share it with other people and light up that side of their mind is something that I find really exciting and engaging so now I work at Mural which is a visual collaboration company and platform and That's basically what I get to do for my job all the time is get to show people the power of visual working and thinking and then help them help activate that ability in their own work. So I think something that's I like what you're saying like lighting me up or getting me really excited is how the methods to activate that thinking because a lot of people feel oh I can't do that or that's for someone who's creative and I'm not creative and really everybody has creativity and that's a superpower for everyone it's just building that confidence to do it yourself and then share it with others so yeah that's that's been my journey in the last last couple months last year
0: wonderful now what I guess what's the um, what's the feedback people get when they kind of I guess when their eyes kind of open, when they light up, when they kind of understand things in a new way—like, is it a sense of like the whole world's possible? Is are they to, are they fearful because they they don't know, you know, what they don't know? Uh, what's what's been the what's been the reception there?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is being able to show people that you can use visuals to express ideas not only ideas because i think brainstorming is a pretty commonplace thing like go ahead do a brainstorm and use sticky notes but to be able to choose vi- show use visuals to describe a process or to describe a challenge or to help people align around a concept and there's lots of different types of visuals that you can use in different diagrams so when somebody sees a, a visual and, and is, it's used to help accomplish a goal, they, I think they get really surprised. They don't realize that's a way of working um, and a way of connecting. It's a lot of it's also like, you're not just making visuals by yourself, you're sharing them or creating them with others. So first it's surprise and kind of disbelief. And then there's that, I can't, but that's that's something you can do, and you are really good at doing that. So I want you to do it more and more. And I used to say, "Yeah, I'm happy to do that for you again and again." But now, I think it's my ch- my passion is transitioning it from it's my thing to it's your thing and it's our thing. So yeah, people get very uncomfortable when I put the the power of the pen, so to speak. It's it did for like digital. In a digital format, I guess it's a little different, but putting that power in their hands and giving them a couple of introductory tools, but it's uncomfortable. But then I think my role as a coach and an instructor in a way is to reinforce that positive behavior and help create a space where they can practice and feel confident doing it. So it's little moments that build up over time to then where they are able to multiply that effort and apply it and share it with others.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, I think there's a lot of- It's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey and there's a, um, there's a certain, I guess, beauty when others can finally see it and it's difficult because, you know, people just don't like change often. And so when they see somebody who's, you know, working with some new technology and it works beautifully for them, they have this apprehension that when I touch it, everything's gonna break you know and they have to kind of realize that no like it's going to work in the same way it's going to be okay and everything's going to um it just takes a little bit of practice it's like the same way how at one point in time you had to practice using your email or practice using google or whatever the case is you know and and that learning curve is uh, a little bit challenging for some but
1: yeah and that's a challenge with you know visual work as a practice and even but software too right you said like email as a as a tool as a software people think i'm gonna break it or i did something wrong and trying to make sure that mural is intuitive enough to where people don't feel like they're breaking it or that they did something wrong so they're not going to engage again but trying to continue to invite them back in and make that first impression really powerful so it's a very multifaceted challenge we have at Mural. That's fun to figure out how to solve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking about how, you know, being multifaceted and getting uncomfortable was kind of the way to, you know, kind of go about things. So this is kind of leads me into a little bit of, of our problem, uh, or I guess we should say the topic for, um, for this episode and the problems that sometimes we have have sometimes been going on for a long time, right? So one of the ones that our episode was kind of focused around is the idea of plastics and recycling and kind of how do we reuse it? Now, from the time that I was young, younger, they had been pushing for, you know, recycle glass, recycle, you know, newspapers, recycle all these different things and, and plastics. And so when I when I pitched this topic to, to Haley, I thought, you know, she'd probably give a really good perspective on this. So um, we want to kind of ask ourselves globally, how do we turn the retrieval of and disposal of plastic into a lucrative business to try and alleviate the plastic that's polluting our oceans, polluting our rivers, streams, landfills, whatever the case may be. My first initial thought with this is because this has been going on for so long, we're really going to have to focus on a way that we can get everybody involved and try and make it as easy as possible. Now, of course, you know in some homes in some areas it's easy as separating the recycle and then you take it out to the road on a certain day and do that i think a heavy portion of the population may not have homes and things things like that so you got to think about it like how can we apply this to apartment complexes and condos and um different you know senior living facilities and you know section 8 housing and those like that to make it easier for those people who are in densely populated areas that produce a lot of waste to be able to recycle easily. Um, part, of, part of me kind of thinks just says maybe we have some type of subsidy off of people's rent or something like that. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to suggestions, right?
1: Yeah. Um, and it, like my, when when you pose this question to me, there's so many different other questions popped up too in terms of defining the challenge, because this can go so many, there's so many pieces of it. Um, and I think I agree definitely with the fact that. Uh, we I can't just think about people in their homes. There are people living in lots of different situations. When you when we're saying the retrieval of plastic, because what you're saying talking about right now is the process of I use something that was stored in plastic, and now I'm going to put it into the, a bin. So that's the challenges around the home to the bin. Now, when I thought of retrieval of plastic, I was thinking somebody after the fact, like so maybe somebody put it in the recycling bin or maybe somebody put it in the trash bin and now it's out in in our oceans or something somewhere. So when we're saying retrieve, are we talking about right from the point of, I use the plastic to putting it in a bin or now it's out somewhere it's not supposed to be and needs to be brought back into the cycle?
0: I think we can honestly tap into both. Because okay. I think it is a little bit connected, right? So, I mean, uh, there's part of it that's like, hey, let's let's take it out of the oceans and, and retrieval, and there could be mechanisms and machines that can work on that. But you know, it, when you're talking about a, a problem of the scale, you also have to think, you know, t- to your point, you know, can we cut off the head of the snake here? Can can we make a, a substantial difference in the chain of plastic before it gets there, before it gets into the oceans, right? Um, and, it, and I think there's there's gotta be a way that he could probably work on both, but it has to be almost like a holistic method to be able to do it, or, or some type of combined relationship. Um, because I'm looking at, and you, and you see some of those pictures from you know, either Asia or whatever, and you just see just mountains of plastic that are just rolling and just sitting on top of the waves. And, you know, i I read an article the other day that said the plastic is all of a sudden now partially disintegrating and getting into fish and then people consume yep. the fish and, and, it, and then, you know, people are getting plastic poisoning. it's just like, whoa, this is getting out yeah. of control really fast.
1: Or like gels, products that use plastic, those little um, gel is made of plastic, so... Um yeah i think i agree then starting back kind of at the root i mean gosh we could even start as far back as uh, and people don't purchase not purchasing plastic like stopping people maybe that's too okay maybe we don't need even sit all that but far back but it's like how do you stop people from purchasing things or making them aware of it but i don't know but maybe a happy medium is and the, the biggest challenge is and I'm not a plastics expert or a consumption expert by any stretch of the imagination, but people not very properly disposing of their plastic containers after they use them. So let's say, yeah, you have a bottle of soda and you want, you're gonna, you, want it, you don't want it anymore. Like just simply, you're you're thinking about okay, how do I get rid of it? Why, why don't you recycle it? Why don't people recycle today?
0: Hmm, it, that's a good question. I think you could just hit the, the the big ones, right? So people are just some people are just lazy. I don't want to. I don't I don't feel like it. Um, you can hit on some notes of. It's not convenient. There's not anything, you know. For example, maybe at my home, recycling is not available, or, or if I'm out at a public park or something, there's no option for me to recycle it instead of, um, instead of uh, you know, just throwing it in, in the trash or the waste. Um, I think those are the two main components. I think other people, I think another aspect is that people don't really see the benefit. They're kind of numb to it. They're like, yeah, we want to save the planet, but you know, what is my one bottle going to do? you know, and and they lose the focus there. Um, So there's a re-education piece, um, but I also, I mean, there's part of me that says, you know, some type of incentive to get people to do it, and I I want to stay away from monetary, um, but those type of incentives seem to make, have the most traction in, unfortunately, a capitalistic society. You know, it's like people just want, hey, if, if I recycle this one product and it gives me a dime out of the machine, Oh, well, yeah, absolutely, I'm gonna recycle that, you know?
1: Yeah, I wonder how effective that program is. I mean, cause some states do have that, right? Where if you do, it's not recycle, but it's when you bring it back to a special station to like return the bottle, you get 10 cents or five cents or something. And I'd be curious to know and research how effective those programs are. Cause I mean, I personally don't go back. I recycle as much as I can. I, like I'm not a saint. I don't always recycle. Um, like to your point, if it's in I I do like save my bottles and then try and bring them places to where I can properly get dispose of them. But I don't do like the the bottle return. Because that is, it's inconvenient. I don't know where they are. Um, I don't know. I live in an apartment. My apartment complex doesn't have anything like that. So um yeah, I'm trying to like think about data points, but it's very.
0: Right. And the thing is I, I found, for example, when I was in college, um, Fridays and I should say Saturday and Sunday morning were notorious for anywhere between five to eight, nine, 10 am um, on a part of campus that had all the parties you would find just empty beer cans all over the place, right? Thrown out in the lawn and it was gonna go crazy. And what would happen is you'd have all the homeless people that would that would come by with their trash cans full in garbage bags and just pick up all the trash cans because I think it's for every pound they got like five cents or something if they took it downtown. And I said, okay, so you have some people that are incentivized to do this for sure. Um, would it change? if more people, if the, if the monetary reward was higher, if it was easier to do that. So for example, I'm thinking uh, the, uh, the homeless people would have to go at least a couple blocks down to be able to dispose of all of it. They would get paid at that thing. If that particular disposal center was closer to campus where the students that were drinking or were partying that evening could use it, would they use it? I don't know. Or if if instead of per pound it was five dollars for a pound of cans or plastic. I'm thinking, you know, college students are always a little strapped for money. Like you could get some I mean, I know if I was in college and strapped for money and not want to eat ramen noodles, I'll round up a quick pound of plastic and go have myself some chipotle or something.
1: That would be such a good gamification thing for, I mean, for, like, frat houses or something on a college campus to say, like, you guys are drinking beer anyway. You guys are using red cups, and if you can fill this container with X, with Enough cans by the end of the weekend. We'll give your frat house like a ten, like a gift card to Chipotle, and you know how fast they would fill
0: that. <laughs> oh, like in a matter of hours. Like, and that, and the thing is, because oftentimes frat houses have to do uh, like community service work, right? So not only could you do community service work, but then you could also get a monetary benefit for it as well. You know, and I mean, you're not only talking about you know. College campuses, but you could think about densely populated cities and, and like I said, you know, disadvantaged housing and those type of things. If you put it there, and you made the incentive large enough, people are going to go. Now, of course, well, there's also peer
1: pressure aspect too. Sorry, I'm gonna like, okay, no, well, go no. you see what you're gonna say.
0: No, I'm, I'm I'm thinking on the on the other side, um, from a devil's advocate perspective, you know, somebody out there is going to say, well, where's the money coming from, right? Like, who's paying that five dollars? Who's paying, you know, who's putting ten bucks in the machine for them to deposit a pound of plastic? Is it Waste One Management? Is it the city of X? Is it the county government? Is it the, the, whatever. Um...
1: Hmm, and, and yeah, you know, what and would be in the government's interest to do that? I mean, is it taxpayer money?
0: Right, uh, and I think, and I think some people would have difficulty having that conversation to say oh my taxpayer money is going to help going to some other person who doesn't want to clean up like i don't want to put it to that like i would put it want to put to education and so i think there's a there's a uh, there's a disconnect there Um, but i still think you could probably find a way to create some type of donation even if and this is getting extremely granular is to say if it were, if individual people had IDs, right? And they could go up to this kiosk, deposit their stuff, and let's say, if you deposit a a two pounds of plastic or aluminum or whatever the case is, you could in turn have some type of fund with the city or the county or the government um, that would be your individual fund, right? So other things that you could take out of that fund would be parking fees you know, if you're at a you know, you go, you go mm. park in front of the courthouse or something like that, instead of having to come out with money outside of your outside of your pocket or something like that to park instead of hitting the meter, it would just be a technological system where on the app you says, Hey, from that cans I have forty dollars from the, you know, seventy bags of plastics that I returned. I don't have to pay for this whatever. Or I can pay for my parking tickets in right plastic.
1: So to play back what I'm hearing is Let's say, yeah, you go park downtown or something to go out to dinner. And rather than saying the business, you have to pay $3 for parking for two hours or something, to say if you recycle three pieces of plastic, you would, it would pay for your parking. That would be, I mean, what I like about that, like the first thing is, because I think what we were talking about before is a community aspect and this is more individual which unfortunately people are just very individualistic and that would be like I get the automatic reward for that Um, so that's really like a fascinating thing I think you would need to get businesses to opt in like a part like the parking business would need to say yeah this is worth our energy and our effort you need buy-in basically from those companies in your community to do that and and you'd need people to not just put random stuff in receptacles (laughs) receptacles to <laughs> For sure, for
0: sure, because um, people we'll just put anything in not trying to like, poke
1: holes in your, di- your idea at all, I'm like, trying to like, okay, what like, would well, we need to go into that? Well, no, um, that's perfect
0: because, I'm, uh, you know, uh, to compound, I guess, on that point, maybe there's some type of... Uh, I don't know, some type of code that goes on the plastic or maybe the plastics are stamped with something to identify mm. them as plastic. So not just anything can be put in there. Ah. You know, cause it already comes with the little recycle symbol with the two and the three and the four in it. Yeah. So maybe if it goes through there, maybe it scans the whole bottle or the whole whatever. Right. And so when it goes through, it recognizes, hey, you dropped off, um, you dropped off whatever, here like is- a 24
1: ounce can yeah. of whatever. But they already do have like um scanners barcodes, I mean, for every not every product, for example, a piece of paper doesn't have one, but um I mean, but you could have some scanner read a piece of paper. Hmm. I'm trying to think more about that. I'm trying to think of like something around the same vein. Like what could I by inputting something that's recycling, in what scenario would I be able to get a benefit? Um your rent? I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah no, like that's, what is? <laughs> like, I, x amount of, I don't know, x amount of plastic recycled, you would get x number. You, I think you mentioned this earlier. Like you would get x number of dollars off on your rent,
0: mm-hmm. um, or, or your your waste bill, right? So you have to typically pay for like water, sewage, uh, that type of stuff. Um, so that could be. Because I would think that those type of things, like the recycling program, is all wrapped up into your individual's waste in an apartment complex or housing thing. Uh, and so if you're paying for that, you should be able to that would be able to help decrease your costs, right? in in those in those avenues. Um,
1: Does that count as a I know we're the part of the challenge statement is thinking about a lucrative business. Does that count? as a lucrative business? I mean, we're we're talking about saving money, but I guess technically you're making money, but, and when we're saying lucrative business, does that mean, all these questions, I know it's like, it could be the answer. Like, what would it look like for somebody to make a business and have a business model focused around recycling? And I guess if you're the person, if you're the person doing, creating that business, for example, like the pay parking meter vending machines with your recycled items, I guess that's a business.
0: yeah. oh, well, yeah, I think I think that's a business. I think somebody and you you bring up a really good point and to wrapping it back around to the question. Um, because I think you know with something like this, I think this is a good starting point to get people incentivized at least to recycle, right? So now that we've quote unquote gotten them to, recycle more, how do we get it from, like where's the business model from, that particular receptacle, that can, that um, machine, to a processing plant, to somewhere, like how is somebody making money off of that? Um, I know one of the big pushes that I've heard from recycling people before has been the the new, I guess somewhat gold, has been cardboard. Right? Um, just because everybody's not only, well, in recent era of COVID, just ordering more things from home. Amazon is blowing up. Everything is being shipped and everything of course is being shipped to cardboard. So that's becoming the new thing to be able to recycle it because there is money there. Apparently you can't have, it can't be stained with any organic material or uh, pizza sauce or anything like that. Um, but I'm thinking there has to be some type of large corporation, right? So Exxon, um, oil, natural gas companies and stuff like that, that could probably take this stuff and find a way to repurpose it and recycle it. But it probably has to be in large enough value, like large enough volume.
1: Why would they, so this is another, like, why would they, why would they want to do that? I mean, um, the, cause the oil companies are the ones making plastic, right? So, and since they're, since they are the ones making like i don't know how much revenue i would be curious like how much revenue comes from them like recycling plastic and remaking it versus making new stuff and selling it what i know like Like, where's the where's the
0: where's the plastics company in like where is their incentive to be able to want to get be a part of this instead of making it their own
1: other than like i don't know you have to think about for me, of course, it's like, you know, you're not put making putting as much damage and harm on the planet and trying to make that a value for the company. Um, but maybe no, I'm just, just very cynical <laughs> of
0: businesses. No, no, that's that's a that's a perfect avenue because I think there's there's an opportunity there, right? So from and I could just be a very poor businessman and CEO in this regard. But I would think if I was a, if I can get, let's say I make the plastic on my own, but if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I can give you potentially more plastic to be able to reuse in your pipeline, that's gonna reduce my supply costs, right? Like how much um, I'm going to need to produce. Like all of a sudden my operations cost becomes cheaper because i have more to be able to use and so if my operations cost becomes cheaper even though i might still be selling at the same rate my profits will go up I, it is it is it, it, like in theory it would work right i feel like there's a lot of different factors in there that may not no well,
1: a public perception jive. yeah i mean i don't I definitely don't like the plastics production side of things that all right um but i think it's also like a public perception aspect as well if if a a plastics company because right now i think there was an npr article that said uh, i guess maybe 10 percent of all plastic maybe less in the world has actually been recycled and being able to take that and say you know we are doing better but to clean not only not only um, like take pick up that plastic, but then also to put it into reuse. I don't know. That's not a very sexy like PR campaign, but um, but to say, you know, we're building we're building it better tomorrow. Let's do that. We're building it better tomorrow by reusing plastic rather than making making it anew. And um, that's better for our planet. It's also saving you are in consumer giving you peace of mind that every time you purchase one of our products um it's helping the planet i don't know i just hear someone yeah
0: it's, it's totally plausible um i'm thinking maybe if we work backwards right um so in regards to the big manufacturers let's say that they don't want any part of it but if we say if you if you are for example I know the big one of the big terms is like carbon neutral right or if you if you're if you're polluting a whole bunch of stuff if you come up with a way to be able to remove that um, what we call that waste once it's actually used so let's take coca-cola nothing against coca-cola but you know they go through a lot of plastic with their bottles right once it's that coke is you know consumed, that plastic goes into a receptacle, whatever, ends up in the ocean. If they are somehow involved in coming up with some type of machinery or whatever to be able to retrieve that plastic get it out of the ocean, maybe they get some type of subsidy to say, hey, this is this is green, maybe you get money back, right? Um, maybe, you get, maybe it's less taxes on your particular corporation. Less taxes on their corporation means that their profits are going to increase, which I'm sure every corporation would love think that could potentially incentivize them to want to clean up their own mess
1: yeah that's a good so this is the kind of when we were talking earlier when i asked earlier about which area to tackle it's it the actual going putting it into the bin or is it the now it's out in the oceans and out in the on the beaches, and it's, it's like just these crazy landfills full of plastic that should have been recycled. Hmm. What if they did like a- (laughs) this is such a crazy idea, but like, what if they had some sort of, like, annual... quest? (laughs) I don't know. To, like, have people go into landfills and, like, pick up as much stuff as they could, and whoever does the most has a big prize and, like, makes a big game show out of it. That sounds so... Crazy and stupid, but <laughs> like I don't, I don't think people would totally do normal. that. <laughs> like yeah, uh, like I an mean, amazing plastic race.
0: <laughs> amazing plastic race, I like it. Okay, amazing. I'm writing this down right now. Plastic like um,
1: race. you have to. I feel like if they. And this is This doesn't get to the root of the problem, right? Which is like the plastic things, but in terms of just like a quick clean up like how do you get people to clean up and put it in the right place and then the whole thing could be like you pick it up and now that company gets to promote how they actually properly get rid of their um or reuse the plastic and then it can be this whole campaign around like okay well we wouldn't have to have this race if you guys actually did it properly and and like this is how you recycle in this whole like public education program
0: no i think i think that's a great education piece because like anytime that you dangle some type of I guess philanthropic duty with um, just monetary incentives like this is these are why game shows are created because people like the ability to win something you know so if you make the prize big enough you know and for something like this I'm thinking hey if you're a corporation or you know somebody sponsored this like Greenpeace or the Peace Corps and says hey if everybody gets involved whoever gets the most, gets a, you know, all expenses paid trip around the world. I would think since there's someone, some people are gonna be like, nobody else is gonna do this, so I'm gonna do it, and then I'm gonna get a free trip around the world.
1: hmm and it could be, um, it could even become a hackathon in a way too, because what if it's not humans actually picking up, but you design a machine that can do the picking up for you, and the converting, I mean, this would take a while to figure out, but like, being able to design some sort of mechanism to do that, and I, I imagine, I don't know, like we're having this, con- it's very meta, like this conversation about plastics and making a lucrative business, and saying, you know, it starts with the root and being able to make sure people are properly disposing of their plastic. Now, this is another thing I want to talk about too, because I feel like a big reason that people don't recycle, and this might just be me, honestly, but I feel like a big bruising people don't recycle is because they think that it doesn't actually go to recycling anyway. Like the garbage companies aren't recycling, they're just mixing it all together. So why bother?
0: Mm -hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head because I've heard that on more than one occasion that just people are not. I was like, not appreciative, but they they don't believe that it's actually going where it's supposed to be going and doing the things that it's supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, um, which they're kind of. I mean, I don't know if they're right, but like the fact that 10% of it's only being recycled.
0: That's, I don't know. Yeah, that's not exactly great. This is not, not um, great. <laughs> no, but no. I, but I want to touch on what you just talked about with regards to the hackathon, because you no, know, because I'm thinking that's a that's a really I don't say easy, but. Um, way in which you could potentially get like educators and in schools involved or robotics companies, right? And you say, hey, if you, this is an easy way to build, like get instant funding for grant money, like you build a plastic, you know, collecting machine that sorts it or maybe somehow finds a way to dispose of it that's environmentally friendly. Um, and then if you figure that out, then we can mass. some company, a robotics company can mass produce these and clean up our oceans. Now, there has to be some type of incentive for them to make money, but I'm thinking from the development portion of it, is you have extremely smart people at MIT and Stanford and all these like Boston colleges.
1: scientific making one of those big like crazy bots that's exactly
0: cool. exactly want to come like on to those oh, um, sick. yeah the, um, they had, like these little, little robotic
1: dog looking things
0: yeah like little one machines. Seen videos or, and you're just
1: oh. like oh my god i'm scared <laughs> and amazed
0: <laughs> Yeah, and so like they can go and like pick up stuff like uh what was it um i forgot what they're called but um it's like uh, like an avatar, where they had the little like yes. like super like where the person sits in the big machine. I'm losing the name it, of it, it right now. I know what you're talking about. Like it's um, sitting
1: in it's sitting in the kind of the head of it, but it's this right. um, and controlling it, and it's it's an extension of its own body.
0: Exactly. I, yeah. There's definitely a
1: more technical term that we're both just like
0: totally missing, I'm just but drawing I, a blank we on get it. it, we
1: get it. It's yeah, funny. you
0: get it. But I'm like, if you had something like that, that was amphibious, can go in water and land and go pick it up all over the place and just have an army of those and somebody developed a prototype, mass produces some robotics company and an army of those to go do it. I mean, that's a lot of jobs too. do I don't think that would be helpful for the economy if it was paid. Elon
1: Musk,
0: let's go. Yeah, that's like perfect in his vein of Tesla (laughs) stuff. You know, like he's he's making flamethrowers. Like he can make them, um, you know, something like that. Um, But that's, that's cool. Like I didn't even, I didn't even think about that one. Now for, I mean, part of me is like, okay, we've got how to get people to partially recycle, right? You've motivated people. We've talked about creating some type of um, either robot or incentives to get people going. So how do we go from like, okay, now that we have it, and let's say that in an ideal scenario, we've cleaned up oceans and roads and all this kind of stuff. Like, what do we do with it? Like, how do we turn it into either something that's usable or find a way to get rid of it without whatever?
1: Well, I can't, I think you have to reuse it in some, I mean, you have to reuse it in some way, shape or form, like you can't burn plastic for sure. Um, I think, and to your back, like originally we are talking about making people care. It's being able to show people the value. For example, I think a lot of companies do, um, like they'll remake clothes or they'll remake um, like other, material other new product based on recycled materials and I think it would take an investment from companies of course to think about new ways to reuse recycled plastic and materials but um, being able to make that more of a commonplace less of a novelty and more commonplace um, and making making consumers advocate for more of that. Um, if If that makes sense, Um, like, for example, people, I mean, if people will purchase things that are made of reused plastic and that's a value to them and businesses see that people are buying more of that stuff that's plastic reused versus brand new. That would, I think, help put it in favor.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, no, I think that's that's right. you have to get people accustomed and partially incentivized to, you know, create products and buy products that are made from recycled materials. I know oftentimes when I shop, I try and find those items because even if five percent or ten percent could be or was made from an old, you know, tire or something like that, it's five percent that wasn't before. You know, and try and kind of look at it from a positive light. Um, going back to your, you know, the disposal. I mean, one of the ones that's always played in my head for a long time. And I'm definitely not any type of chemistry major in regards to plastic or how this works. But in my mind, whenever plastic is burned, it just comes off with a little bit of soot, right? Just that that dark whatever. Um, but I said what would happen if you burned it at an extremely high level, right? So when it turns to like that molten, like lava type stuff and you drop it in there. Of, st- of course, some of that stuff is still going to come across, but I said, well, what happens if you try and cool that in like a large, some type of water or something or other? And so you have this soot with the water, can we, use that to somehow power something, like as a power source, like using hydraulic power, um, and that way it could be clean there? Could we put that carbonated or carbon with water into some type of filter to filter out the carbon and then find a way to turn that filtered carbon into pellets that might be able to be, you know, reused in the environment and charred hmm. areas? I mean, it might it went on a long, crazy yeah, tangent no, to do I that, was... but.
1: I was looking it up. I, I I don't think it's a good idea to burn plastic. Um, I'm just reading. <laughs> it's it's just because I'm I'm reading from this MIT's like basically it's potentially carcinogenic. If you could, I mean, but I imagine that if you could figure, I mean, if if chemists could figure out a way to harness those. to thing whatever is the product of that like I like where you're going in terms of like harness I mean it's like I mean nuclear energy for example like yeah that's very also very dangerous but like people are leveraging it and using it in a way that is sometimes also still very dangerous but like has potential so I like I like where your head's at um, in terms of leveraging it and reusing it in that way which is fascinating I actually have to jump to another call I apologize no
0: that's Um, all right no, but this is this is good. Um, I yeah, think we got a lot of good funny. stuff there. Yeah, yeah. I, I Didn't anticipate to roll over, so I'll I'll just wrap it up like super quick. Um, so I think our. Our high level things that we definitely got to for here were um, find an incentivized program, some type of like plastic for parking or water or something like that. Um, Get manufacturers, potentially corporations on board for tax breaks and that type of thing. Um, Try and find some type of amazing race or some way to motivate people. Hackathon for robots and that way they will get some type of kickbacks for students and or the the schools that are doing it and kind of create a a company that can do that there. Um, Yeah, was there anything else that I missed?
1: No, that I think you you oh we talked about repurposing plastic into like everyday items like yes benches clothes um, other things that make it commonplace and empower the consumer advocating for that with their purchasing power.
0: Excellent perfect I yeah. get that as well excellent well Haley this is this is exactly what we're all about so I really appreciate your time and and you know coming on here to share in a few minutes and to come up with some really cool ideas so yeah, thank that's you for fun. that
1: I appreciate it yeah for
0: sure absolutely well thank you guys for for listening and um, stay tuned after the break we'll give you another idea problem insight and uh, until I see you next time So for this Ideaprof insight, I want to share with you a new mathematical method for teaching children by the name of John Playwright. It's a jump method in which children are taught from a more... um, experiential type of platform so they're able to learn and not such a you know regurgitation method so going from concrete to abstract is usually where where pitfalls occur with students and also kind of divides the class so by learning in an all-inclusive environment where they use real-life problems they're able to solve things and prevent students from turning into quote-unquote i'm not a math person when they get older so I thought, from an idea prop perspective, this would be a good read. Um, U.S. Department of Education has already granted 2.75 million grant to education system to be able to do this. So I thought I'd share. I definitely put the link in the comments, and would love to hear your feedback. Until next time.